for me, play is a massive piece that needs to be more of a focus and strength conditioning. Um, so many people are still got, you know, a lot of that hard nose, old school meathead strength coach stuff in them where they think that that's not going to have the same benefit. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Welcome to the Movable Podcast, where we interview using education, movement, and play from around the world. Here's your host, my daddy, Brian Lane. Thanks so much for having me, man. Like we were just talking about, I think this is amazing that you're doing this and such a, a much-needed movement to uh, get kids doing more physically uh, physical activity. So, yeah, I, uh, I wear a bunch of hats and, um, you know, I'm a phys ed guy first, so I do teach phys ed at the junior high in Victor, and okay. this is my 16th year. I love being in Victor. I love my phys ed position, the amount of kids that I'm able to impact and uh, have contact with, and as you're talking about, really trying to uh, make an impact as far as their, their long-term health and wellness. So that's one of my roles. I'm also the director of strength and conditioning there at Victor. Um, where I basically oversee all the strength conditioning programs. I have a strength coach there that does all of the hands-on just to due to the fact that I have several other things going on. Um, Jacob mm-hmm. Topple is his name. He's the man. He's, he's really good. So uh, really, I do a lot of the program design, the scheduling, and I do some hands-on coaching, but for the most part, it's, it's just overseeing that program. Um, and then on the owner, Next Level Strength Conditioning, uh, our facility is located in Fairport. Uh, we've been in our current space for seven years. I've been doing things for a long time before that at other private facilities, but uh, now having our own space, it's definitely a much different ball game. Um, and then finally, I am the uh, strength coach for the RIT men's hockey team. So that's kind of where I scratch my coaching itch uh, when it comes yeah. to actual strength conditioning, because again, I'm more of the director at Victor. Um, and then at the next level side of things, really just more of the business side at this point. I do coach in the summer when some of our pro and college guys come back. But um, so RIT is really where I get my, my coaching itch scratched. So how long have you been at RIT then? Um, let me see here. This was the finish of my fifth year. So and oh, unfortunately, wow. we had our season canceled coming into playoffs, which was a bu- real bummer. But this was my fifth year doing that. Okay. Yeah. So I guess my main question with all that stuff that you're talking about, how do you manage that? I mean, that yeah. seems overwhelming to me to, to hear that you're doing that um, many things. I get a lot of weird faces when I kind of run down the list of everything I do, but um, I've honestly been able to take things off of my plate, believe it or not, in the last couple of years and make things more manageable. Um, I don't want to be someone that just does a bunch of stuff to say I do it. I want to do everything I do very well. And I've been able to do that. The number one uh, factor would be my wife. And uh, she made sure I said that. No, but um, (laughs) no, honestly, you know, there are a lot of coaches that um, don't make it through their marriage because of how time consuming being a good coach is. And I'm Mm -hmm. very fortunate that my wife is supportive and understands the big why behind everything I do. And, um, you know, is is very understanding when sometimes I'm at a game or I'm at a training session, I have to do business stuff late at night instead of potentially, you know, hanging out with her at times. But she's awesome in that sense. And then, you know, really having good people around me. So like I said, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from a strength conditioning side of things at Victor, I'm not the hands-on coach really that is much anymore. So having Jacob Topple there has been huge for me. Um, the people that I have working with me, uh, I hate when people call me their boss, but my team members mm-hmm. at, at next level, we would not be here without them. Um, so Joe Aratari, Mike Moon, Kyle Melnick, and all the other coaches, they're the reason that we continue to grow and progress um, at this point. So, you know, that, and then just having systems, you know, like having good time management um, and all the things that, that you are doing, having systems in place and trying to be as proactive as possible and, and not as reactive as, you know, some people might get with a lot of things on their plate. But, you know, for me, it's, it's first and foremost, supportive friends and family, um, good people around me, and then systems. And then, like I said, you know, I've had to say no to some things recently that traditionally a handful of years ago, I would be like, Oh, for sure. That's awesome. And then, you know, every, I I read a good quote in a, I forgot what book it was, but um, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, (laughs) you know? And I think realizing that you only have so many, many minutes in the day and what's really important is friends and family and making sure what you're doing is uh, done well. 
Yeah, I think that's huge. Did that maybe come from essentialism? Have you read that book? I have read that book, and I, I don't think that's where I got it. And obviously, I'm sure a bunch of people said it. Oh, um, yeah. It might have been a podcast. I don't remember, but that, that definitely mm-hmm. stuck with me. And, you know, for sure. Yeah, I like in that book that he has that one graph for the picture that shows when you have all of your energy kind of dispersed out in a bunch of different areas, but you want mm-hmm. it directed towards one thing. And I totally yeah. agree with you. I mean, it, it's it's easy to say yes to a lot of different things because you want to be involved, mm-hmm. but then your performance in all of those is going to go down and you're not exactly. going to be able to give it everything you can. Exactly. Yep. So another, another question I had for you is uh, I noticed that your degrees are in health and phys ed, mm-hmm. but obviously you run a very successful business. And I don't know, I don't think you mentioned this yet, but you guys are offering strength and conditioning services at like seven different schools, right? At yep. least. Yeah. So I mean, it, you, so you have yeah. a, a lot of business that you have to manage all the time, but mm-hmm. you don't have a degree in that. So I guess my question right. for you is how have you become so good at managing those things? Well, I, I'm still working on it every day <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, being in business for, you know, since 2004 doing things on my own. And I guess we can talk about that later, but you know, the mm-hmm. last seven years of actually having set overhead every month where if you don't make a certain amount of money, you're in the red and that's stressful mm-hmm. having not just people you need to serve as far as your athletes and clients and schools, but employees that count on you for a paycheck. Yep. Um, you know, that's, those are things that I've honestly learned as, as I went and, you know, being in business now, I've definitely had to dive into a lot of business, professional development and resources and books and talking to people and things like that. And most of these books and people would have said you were nuts to open your own gym seven years ago. Um, and maybe I was, but end of the day, I'm fortunate enough, like I said, to have good people around me and, and good luck. But um, really when it comes down to business for me and I, I, again, some people will call me crazy, but I always think people and quality first and, mm-hmm. you know, with, good people and quality products, like it's really hard to go wrong. It may not be as fast um, from a growth standpoint. And I look back at a lot of mistakes I've made and we could be much bigger financially now than, than where we are. But at the end of the day, I never lost a minute of sleep from, from next level. And that's pretty, pretty crazy despite all of the, the, close calls and and tough times we've been through. Um, So for me, it's just putting those two things first, people and quality. And then honestly, I feel like one of my strengths is kind of social awareness and being able to get people to buy into what we're trying to do from a really internal place. And I think that that's been the big reason why people have stayed on board and continue to jump on with us. Yeah, because that's kind of a fine line to trying to figure out what people need versus mm-hmm. what they want. Because if you just keep giving them what you think they need, you right. might lose the buy-in there and not get any interest. Right. But if you only give them what they want, they're not going to progress and they might so not true. benefit from it. So true. There, I think there are a lot of ways we could have made more money from a business side of things. Um, but just from a, from a character standpoint, I'm not a salesy kind of guy and i i'm not a pushy kind of guy like and i don't want our staff to be like that either like i want it to grow organically because people see the value in what we do and see the Mm -hmm. big picture and i i honestly think that's why we're continuing to be successful and some people with other philosophies haven't been as successful i think you guys do a really good job with social media with marketing on there i mean i just follow you guys on instagram and you have tons of posts all the time and it's not easy for, I see a lot of gyms and a lot of businesses that don't tap into that. Mm-hmm. And I think they're missing out on a huge part of marketing there. And you guys seem to do really well because I think, in my opinion, that must increase the buy-in from the athletes too. Plus that's just exposure for what you're doing. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I give all of the credit there to Joe Aratari. I don't know if you know, Joe, he's a strength coach at Penfield and okay. he runs, he runs our media. Um, he also does our internship program and runs our high school strength conditioning department. So he oversees all of those coaches that were contracted with. Um, but you know, Joe came on board and I actually found him on social media, which is, which is funny, but he speaks the language. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm, I'm pushing 40 and I do my best, but at the end of the day, like he speaks a language of our, of our you know, client. And I I hate the word client, but the people that we try to work with as much as possible, high school, college kids. And he understands that 
based on where we are in today's society, like social media drives engagement, it drives buy-in. And it's amazing that it is the way it is now when you think back to 10 years ago um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even really a factor. And now people are making their careers just on social media. And, yeah. you know, really there are a lot of online gurus out there that aren't, you know, very qual- high quality, but we really, I, I think, take pride in, you know, offering a lot of good content to people engaging the people that we do work with um and not just like talking about ourselves a lot like we don't we try not to do that but really highlighting the people we work with and their accomplishments because you know working out's great getting a good workout you know working hard in the gym's awesome but there's a reason everyone's doing that it's to Mm -hmm. you know sign with a d1 school or make a varsity team or you know run a race as an adult and like those are the accomplishments that we want to really highlight on media so joe Mm -hmm. does a really good job with that yeah, good. Uh, one thing I noticed too is what I like about you guys. See, I come from a more of a CrossFit background, mm-hmm. and I was I played basketball in college for one year, so I have an cool. athletic background as well. But I just noticed this field of strength and conditioning, exercise, whatever you want to call it. It's just a fad type industry, but I think you guys do a really good job of discerning what works and what doesn't, what's good and what isn't. So you have a good blend of some CrossFit principles, Mm -hmm. some just functional strength things. And then recently I noticed you guys are starting to use triphasic training. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys figure that out as a team? How do you decide what you're going to use and what you're not going to? And do you try something and if it fails, can it, or how does that work? So from, from a programming standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and again, if I look back to three years ago, our programs look a lot different. Like we've never recycled a program season to season or block to block. And like, although okay. the foundation is going to be the same, like we're always making changes based on what worked and what didn't. So there's no perfect program because mm-hmm. every program relies on logistics, whether it's the facility, the amount of people, the skill level, the training age, every program relies on logistics. So it's always fluid. Um, you know, my background when it comes to strength conditioning is definitely more of the Mike Boyle functional sports mm-hmm. performance approach. And, you know, we're not exactly like Boyle, but that, I would say that's a pretty close comparison to kind of how we do things. And yeah. then based on that, we've always been looking at how can we add other components to, you know, amplify some of the things we're doing and who we're working with. So we've had only people in the, to work on Olympic lifting. We've had, okay. um, you know, some coaches on our staff who have really um, prominent powerlifting backgrounds. And, you know, we're not a powerlifting gym, but how can we potentially take some of those concepts in? Um, triphasic with Cal Dietz and some of those things that those guys are doing, you know, mm-hmm. um, tying in some of these triphasic methods to, you know, what we're already doing. So it's really just a blend of a lot of different things out there and what works best for us based on our logistics and our mm-hmm. population, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of good ways to make a, a chocolate chip cookie. You know, there's no right or wrong way as long as it tastes good. And that's kind of how we're always trying to, this is how we make our cookie. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And we have a lot of really good coaches on our staff, but with different backgrounds and even some different beliefs and philosophies. And really what we say is, you know, through our systems that we've developed, it's not a reactive random type of a, a setup, how we design and deliver our programs, but through our systems, um, we say, you know, feel free to, to use any color you want, but stay within the lines. Um, <laughs> and I, that's a, that's a boil quote. I can't steal that, but, um, yeah. I think that really shows a lot. Like, yeah, if you want to make this little tweak based on your background and your belief at this high school, and then at this high school, it's going to be a little bit different, honestly, when it comes to strength conditioning and especially with high school kids, which I think is a lot of what we're talking about today, if mm-hmm. it's safe, if it's safe, if they're, they like being there and they're going to see results good for you. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like a lot of people bash others based on their, their methods and their philosophies. And it's like, dude, they're so young from a training age where if it's safe, if they like being there and they're seeing results, you win. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Yeah. And I've found that just as an adult now training versus when I trained when I was younger, mm-hmm. now I'm training more for longevity. For so sure. When I think about if I'm going to do a snatch, let's say, mm-hmm. I'm going to take my time, I'm going to try to do it really well, and then I'm going to rest in between sets. What I'm mm-hmm. not going to do is do as many as I can as fast exactly. as I can. Exactly. Because I know for me personally, that's when something bad's going to happen. Right. 
and and when you look at like our goals and this is this is not original from me either but really as a strength coach or a teacher even or anybody that works with with athletes or or students or anybody like the, mm-hmm. the hierarchy of our priorities go do no harm is first and foremost okay. before anything so if people are getting hurt in your kit in your care in your hands um it's your fault you know and even if it's a fluky thing that you know, you had no control over, you have to take extreme ownership and it's your fault. So like Mm -hmm. number one, do no harm. Is the program safe? Are you doing everything you can to keep people safe in your hands? Two, from there, it's decrease the risk of injury. And that's a lot of people skip that step and they just want performance, performance, results, results. Like, you know, it's like an insurance policy, good strength Mm -hmm. conditioning program. You're giving yourself a better chance to stay healthy and stay on the field of court ice. And it's not guaranteed. Like I'm very mm-hmm. confident with my programming and I've had a lot of injuries that I've had to kind of suck up and say, you know what, I maybe I could have th- done this differently, but also sports yep. are violent. Sports are mm-hmm. violent, so it's never going to be guaranteed. And then from there, it's performance. So it's faster, stronger, more powerful. As an adult, you want to you know feel good, look good, th- those types of things. So that's yep. really how we, we uh, prioritize what we do. Okay. Now, going off uh, talking about failure a little bit, how about just in general in life? Have have there any have there been any big failures or times when you thought something went wrong, and then yeah. you learned from it or you made a change? Yeah, how much time you got? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's really endless, and I mean, I'm I feel very fortunate that I've had good people around me. I think I've done a pretty good job in my positions, um, but also I think there's some luck. Uh, and even a higher power involved where, you know, if you fail and things don't go perfectly, which they're never going to, and you're talking about essentialism, right? Um, Mm -hmm. How do you react and how do you respond and how do you learn from that situation? So when it comes to failure specific examples, like I've got too many to talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, But honestly, like for me, there hasn't been anything overly catastrophic because Mm -hmm. I think I've done a pretty good job as to when something doesn't go well or something goes wrong, um, whether it's business, whether it's a program, whether it's a staff member, whether it's an interaction with a student, um, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of learning from it and making it better from there. Like some people I think have a hard time with their egos where it's like, no, I know everything. This is, this is my deal. And like, Mm -hmm. if you're not humble enough to realize that you're going to fail and that's where true development and learning comes in, you're not going to continue to succeed. And I think um, I'm far from perfect, trust me, but I think one of my strengths is that I've learned from mistakes, big and small, and been humble enough to make those changes. Um, So again, like looking at some business decisions that I've made in the last seven years, like we could have easily been out of business a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, fortunately, I've put a lot of priority into people having systems and quality where I think we've been able to overcome some of those things. Yeah. And I mean, even right now, I think that's even more important now during this quarantine yep. thing that's going on because you're going to have to think outside the box, be creative and take some risks. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen with businesses? For sure. Yep, Absolutely. Um, so to go back to talking about kids a little bit more and yeah. uh, high school kids, especially, how do you incorporate play and fun into teaching and or coaching? Because um, I, love- I see, again, on Instagram, I see one thing I've noticed that I think might be one way is it seems like you guys do a lot of almost like tag games or races or things like that for your conditioning. Um, so, yeah, explain however you want with all that. And again, like I give you so much credit for putting this podcast together to really focus on play and movement. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what a lot of people are missing the boat on, um, regardless of who it is. So, you know, from a a younger population, whether it's in phys ed or, you know, younger athletes training, which really, you know, at younger ages, it shouldn't be training. Um, You you should have a reason for doing everything you're doing. They don't need to know about it. It should mm-hmm. be all plugged into play, um, games, challenges, things like that. You can introduce certain body positions. You can, you know, give them some cueing as to how it might be best to move through this situation. But like mm-hmm. kids need to play, you know, physically and mentally. Um, they need to play. I don't know if you're aware of Jeremy Frisch. 
No. Um, he's If you follow him on Instagram, he's one of the best guys out there when it comes to long-term athletic development and okay. giving a lot of really unstructured play with a ton of physical and mental purpose. And okay. he's one of the best guys out there. And we steal a ton of stuff from him. Hmm. Um, Jeremy Frisch, you said? Yeah, it's F-R-I-S-C-H, I believe. Um, okay. He's on Twitter. He's one of the best guys out there when it comes to that. Right. Um, but I think he does a really good job of like plugging in meaningful movement to play where the kids are engaged. They're having a blast, but they're also getting a lot of really purposeful um, neuromuscular development, physical development from those, those activities. Um, mm -hmm. when it comes to us, so like we do a lot of things with youth teams, like, you know, nine, U, 10, U, 11, U, it doesn't look like a training session. You know, it mm -hmm. looks like phys ed class. It looks like yeah. it would look like one of your classes. And mm -hmm. with that said, we hold kids accountable. You know, we want there to be that accountability factor and we want kids to be respectful and learn character and leadership. So we hold that to a really high priority, but from a physical standpoint, like they're not, it, they're not doing sets and reps, you know, mm -hmm. um, when they get into that middle school age is where we start to uh, apply more of a structured training approach where we're starting to teach skill progressions and cues and you know add some obviously resisted things to that and even i'm not saying that resisted training shouldn't be uh, with younger kids because it should as long as it's appropriate but mm -hmm. we start to get into more of a progressive overload piece and um with that said though like you like you mentioned a lot of our conditioning is just gains you know mm -hmm. and, and on our end it's got a very meaningful work to rest ratio so mm -hmm. we're hitting specific energy systems, but, um, it's, it's just fun, you know, and that's, yeah. and honestly with our adults too, like with our, our roots classes, um, a lot of it's just play, you know, realizing that you are an athlete, even as an adult that doesn't even play sports anymore, the case may be like you train multiple days a week, you're an athlete, but like realizing that play should be a big part of that unstructured play mm -hmm. when you when you get into more of our advanced athletes um you know our high school college and even our pros we do some of the most elementary games with even our nhl hockey guys and mm -hmm. they love it like oh i'm sure you know instead of just instead of just doing a a shuttle down and back and blah, 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 you know, add something cognitive and competitive, especially with guys at that level. And they are through the roof from mm -hmm. an output standpoint, but also an engagement standpoint. And as long as the work to rest and the intensity is meaningful and in place, like why not? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So for me, play is a massive piece that needs to be more of a focus and strength conditioning. Um, so many people are still got, you know, a lot of that hard nose, old school meathead strength coach stuff in them where they think that that's yep. not going to have the same benefit. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Um, Kurt Bednarsik is one of our uh, roots coaches, and he's got a really unique um, outlook on movements and unstructured play. And if you don't mm -hmm. follow him, it's uh, KB in a tree is his Instagram and Twitter. And he's, okay. he's very interesting stuff. He's designed and teaches his own class um, at next level called uh, roots flow. Okay. And it's pretty crunchy stuff. Um, so it doesn't yeah. necessarily look like uh, a traditional strength conditioning program at times, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of that um, play and movement involved in that yeah that's cool yeah. i think unfortunately people just see it as a waste of time a lot yep. of times and even in school with little kids but mm -hmm. especially as adults people think it's not worth it but right. obviously you see there's huge benefits to it that they might not realize in the moment mm -hmm. but even like you were saying even with your adult athletes or professional athletes sometimes they're they get so engaged in whatever that game is or whatever mm -hmm. the play is that they're working even harder than they did during the training session. For sure. And we see, we see a lot of people miss the boat on that too. When, you know, with, with younger kids, even in like elementary PE, like we've done a lot of these functional strength training workshops and people at the elementary level are looking for like exercise progressions and sets and reps and things like that. And we're just telling them like, plug in these concepts, however you want, like mm -hmm. plug in, like teach them how to crawl, teach them how to roll, teach them how to skip, teach them how to march and blah, 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 which you guys already do at the elementary mm -hmm. level, but it shouldn't be a grind for the kids. Like plug yep. it into a tag game, plug it into a warm up, make it a station. Like we still see some people doing some CrossFit like stuff with young kids. Like 
you know, things that the kids might enjoy, but maybe not physically um, appropriate type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like just play games. Like it's really, it's not a big deal. Um, Another thing too, is with how early now kids are specializing in sports and being one sport athlete so early, like kids are losing the concept of like, how do I take advantage of an odd man situation? Like, Mm -hmm. how do I do a give and go? Like, you know what I mean? Like when I was a kid growing up, I was mainly a hockey guy, but I loved like playing football and basketball and baseball around the neighborhood. And so many of those concepts apply to hockey, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, everything. And now like kids are losing that. So they don't have some of that IQ or creativity because they don't play enough. Like they don't just Mm -hmm. play games and like unstructured situations. Yeah, I talked to someone recently from Texas, and she's a teacher out there. And she was saying for recess, she ended up banning a ball to be outside for recess so that Mm -hmm. they had no no equipment. They just had to figure out how to set up their own games and be active with nothing. Which, Yeah, I know. I I thought it was too. It sounds harsh, but her whole purpose is that a lot of times if a kid sees a soccer ball, then they want to just play soccer and play soccer game. But like you were saying, there's so much of so much more benefit to doing a lot of different sports games, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been seeing as an elementary PE teacher, I've been seeing year after year, more kids struggle with unstructured play, even in our class. Mm -hmm. We've, if it makes any sense, we've had to structure unstructured playtime. I get it. So that we'll say, all right, here's three hula hoops. There's 25 of you. How are you guys going to share that? What games are you going to play? How, how, what are you going to do? That's awesome. And just because, like you said, we don't see it anymore. And, I, and I, I do think, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I do think early sports specialization is, a, is getting to be a huge problem. And that's right. one of the biggest factors in that because we have tons of kids that are in soccer leagues when they're before they're even in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. They're in hockey leagues, baseball leagues, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And that's... That's their main thing they do when they get home from school every day. Mm-hmm. So instead of playing in their backyard with kids from the neighborhood doing random stuff, they're playing in a structured sport with a teacher or a coach telling them exactly where to stand, exactly where to be. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think like you kind of pointed out, they're losing a lot of creativity that way. For sure. But all right. So um, another thing I wanted to talk about this, this can be academic, athletic, uh, whatever you think, but what do you think are a few main skills kids should have before they graduate high school? Um, so that's a really big question. I think that's something mm-hmm. that uh, has to be the forefront of why we teach what we teach, right? So like mm-hmm. I'm pretty fortunate where at Victor, we have a sequential curriculum for most of our phys ed um, department where basically with all the main units, I know what was taught in the intermediate school below me and what's going to be taught at the high school above me so I can connect the dots. Um, mm-hmm. That's not always the case, which I understand. I, I walked into that situation. I can't take credit for it. But with that said, how you how you kind of look at that sequential piece is like, how should a, what should a kid look like when they graduate, right? So if you're taking, let's say, a volleyball unit, when a kid leaves high school, we want them to be able to serve and set and pass and know the rules. And mm-hmm. then you design down and deliver up, right? So like, you're not going to start with overhead serve. You're going to start with all these things. So Mm -hmm. when you talk like activity to activity or unit to unit, I agree, like what should they do? And the end goal is to be successful in their, on their own time. So for me, that's a big question and how I'd answer it would be like, first of all, we want to inspire kids to love something physically active when they leave. So Mm -hmm. like the more we expose them to things, whether it's in strength conditioning or in phys ed, the more things we can expose them to, the more opportunity they have to love something. Because if they don't love it, they're not going to do it. No matter Mm -hmm. what you teach them or how good they can develop skills, like if they don't love it, they're not going to do it. And it's also not realistic for kids to love everything, right? Mm -hmm. So if if they can love a couple things and they're going to have a good chance of doing it on their own instead of riding the couch and, you know sticking their face in, in their technology, then, then that's a win. Um, speaking closer to, you know, my side of things with the, the strength conditioning and functional strength training, when we, when we have a kid leaving the high school, we want them to be able to basically know why they're doing an exercise 
right? Instead of just like having to be a robot and, and follow a program, like we want kids to be able to create their own program and then from there perform those exercises safely. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen so many ugly deadlifts and squats and snatches and cleans oh, yeah. and all these different things, right? Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, like why would why is someone going to do that? So they need to know the why, but then how to do it correctly. So really for us to be specific from a skill level, it's squat, deadlift, push, pull, how to stabilize your core correctly, how to do something powerful. And then how do you kind of arrange that? Um, The other thing we tell people too. So when it comes to like functional strength training, you know, and, and when people will graduate and leave, you know, I'm pretty confident that if I had 30 minutes to be physically active, that's going to be the best bang for my buck, right? Mm -hmm. I'm using every single muscle group. I'm using coordination, balance, uh, my core stabilized. Uh, It's fun. It's exciting. You know, there's a cardiovascular benefit. Like if I had to take Mm -hmm. 30 minutes and that's all I had and I had some free weights, like that's a pretty good bang for your buck. But realize too, like that's not the only way to be active. Mm -hmm. So you know, if someone likes running, awesome, run. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If someone likes um, jumping on the elliptical, okay, great. Like that's, that's awesome. If you like the machines, that's great. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure kids understand why certain things are beneficial for them. Um, So when you have that ability to choose between a few different things, you're going to choose what you're going to get the most out of. But like I said, similar to like our programming philosophy, if it's safe, if they enjoy it, mm-hmm. if they're going to come back and see results, who cares what they're doing. It yeah. doesn't matter if they're doing, you know, jazzercise or like who knows, you know, yeah. um, it doesn't matter as long as it's safe, they like it and they're seeing results. Mm-hmm. I don't so, know if you see this at your school, but I, I notice all this talk about lifetime activities and lifetime mm-hmm. sports, and they always seem to revolve around pickleball and golf and sure. things like that. Like you said, that people might not even enjoy. And right. who's to say that that is a lifetime sport? Mm-hmm. Maybe functional strength training is. Mm-hmm. Maybe basketball is. Maybe hockey is. Right. So I, I guess my my thing is in in high school is I I wish that we could steer away from when kids get into high school trying to force them to start doing these activities that are so-called lifetime activities Mm -hmm. when when i think it should be more like you said here are some choices you pick something that you really enjoy and let's do that right because obviously i I think my job as an elementary teacher is to expose them to a lot of things Mm -hmm. teach them the right way to move teach them like you said crawl roll jump all that but i kind of like what you said too i kind of want to just inspire them to enjoy the process of learning and find mm-hmm. activities that they want to do and ha- that they have fun with. And I think in my opinion, that is a lifetime activity, not, not a sport that's less strenuous because you can do it as you're older. It should be something that you enjoy because I don't enjoy golf and <laughs> I'm not going to play that when I'm older. Yeah, but I, I, do, I do enjoy basketball. So I'm going to figure out a way to play that as long as I can. Yeah, That's awesome. And you know, it's almost in the same conversation as like specializing in a sport. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the younger they are, the more they're exposed to things. Then maybe as they do get older into that high school age group, they start to focus on just a couple of things. You know what I mean? And um, I know that I don't know the exact way that it's set up, but I know that our, our high school in Victor, there's different uh, pathways. I forgot the exact term, but basically like there's an outdoor pathway where like maybe they're doing canoeing and, you know, whatever the case may be. And then there's more of a team sport and then there's more of a um, fitness based pathway. And there are still some requirements where they have to do, you know, these different units, but they have the ability to choose, um, a certain direction based on their, their, their interests. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that student choice is huge. And I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of them get that, especially as you get older in high school and everything like that. Right. So we (laughs) talked a little bit about some quarantine stuff, but as a business owner, teacher, I know all of our lives have changed a lot, but how, how would you explain how your life has changed so far just over these past couple of weeks? Yeah. So I guess I'll start with more just like the family stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, put the business stuff aside for a second. This has been the most amazing couple of weeks with like reconnecting with my family, you know, and yeah, like, I agree. 
not having to be somewhere at a certain time, um, the amount of times we've been able to eat dinner together, um, just mm-hmm. hang out with my kids, go for hikes. Like we try to do those things a couple times a week. It's been every day. Um, yeah. and when I think about my perfect world, when I retire, I want to be able to, you know, get a good eight hours of sleep, wake up, read, um, get a little bit of work done, hang out with my family, cook dinner. Like that's what a perfect retirement looks like. And honestly, it's mm. pretty, pretty close to what we're doing right now. We yeah. do have, we do have, you know, our responsibility still as a phys ed teacher and we're doing a lot of online Google classroom stuff. So during the day we've got that, you know, plugged in for sure. But, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to take benefits from this, like being forced to slow down a little bit and reconnect with what's really important. And I hope other people are doing that as well. Um, when it comes to the business side of things, like this is a, this is a, crazy time. Um, and I told you earlier, I never lost a minute of sleep. I lied. There was one night where I couldn't sleep and it was, um, right before we were forced to shut down when Mm -hmm. we took, you know, our groups, we could have anywhere from 40 to 60 people in the gym at a time in different groups. And that's as busy as it really gets. It's closer to like 15 to 20 or 25, but we Mm -hmm. said, okay, there's a max of eight people allowed in the gym at a time. And the reason was we don't want anyone sharing weights. We want to make sure we can watch everybody disinfect everything they use. Um, mm-hmm. And still it didn't feel right. We did it for like three days. We had yeah. like people, you know, cleaning the gym multiple times a day. And I was still so scared that someone was going to get sick at the gym. Mm-hmm. And ethically, like I was so ready to just pull the plug and, luckily and um, it was almost a relief when we were forced to shut down because now it's like okay now we can focus on this new normal type of a thing yeah um so from a business side of things you know we're very fortunate that we have a really close community and group of family both on the athletics and adult side of things where we worked really hard to get everything into a remote training um environment where we're just moving people over to remote training um programs. We're using the train heroic app to do that. So they have their workouts and their videos on their phone. They log everything on their phone. We have live training sessions throughout the week, both on Facebook groups that are exclusive, um, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Instagram pages that are exclusive zoom meetings for question and answers and just trying to stay as engaged as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, like that's a lot of people we're working with when you, when you consider eight, high schools, two colleges, you know, who know, you know, up close to a hundred people on site as athletes and, and, uh, adults, like that's a lot of people that trust us to make sure that they're reaching their goals. And yeah. a lot of other people are just doing nothing structured, you know? And it's like, I'm going to go pick a workout that I saw on Instagram today and do that. Or I'm just going to go for a long distance run today. And like, it's way better than sitting in your house doing nothing. Like we're encouraging people to also like get creative and just go outside. But when you're talking about goals, especially with athletes, like you can't just stop training. Mm -hmm. So we've moved everything online. Our head strength coach, Mike Boone put in at least 30 plus hours of taking a comprehensive developmentally appropriate scientifically driven program that we would do in our gym and getting very creative with how can we offer a similar stimulus, similar progressions, meaningful toward their goals without any equipment. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not easy. I'm amazed with some of the stuff he's put together. Um, mm. And really like, you know, as you know, external load is how we traditionally will reach a max strength um, mm. benefits. And he's been very creative with ways to, first of all, load something at home with whether heavy book pack or, you know, book bag or something like that. But also like, instead of just repping out concentric sets, adding an isometric knee centric focus. So there's more time under tension, mm-hmm. different, um, you know, external load, but similar stimulus. You know, the other thing we're really trying to drive home to our people is, you know, you're looking at residual training effects from max strength and you're looking at 30 days potentially plus. And a mm-hmm. lot of kids and athletes are freaking out. Like, I, I, I'm not going to be the same. I'm not going to be the same. It's like, yeah. Focus on maintaining strength through this program, improving power and speed because that residual is much lower. And let's come back ready to rip into the summer whenever we're ready. So mm-hmm. um, I know it's a really long-winded answer, but you know, trying to take the best out of this 
realizing that it's not going to be forever. Um, so enjoying this extra time we have with family and friends, but uh, making the most out of what people can do at home with little to no equipment. Yeah. And, and you guys are actually loaning out equipment too, right? I've seen a lot of gyms do that. Yeah. And that was another thing like, who knows if that's a good idea from a liability standpoint, <laughs> like we're yeah. having people like sign a waiver, but end of the day, like you can do a lot of stuff at home with nothing. And my wife and I teach a live class every Friday morning and we did it today. No equipment completely gassed. So like mm -hmm. you can, you can get a good workout with nothing. But with that said, there are a lot of ways where if you have one dumbbell or one kettlebell mm -hmm. to get creative with that, or even a bit like one band backpack. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So like anything. So we've been trying mm -hmm. to tell our people, you know, um, there are a lot of good deals out there right now to buy home equipment. Like get a dumbbell, get a kettlebell, get a band, and there's so much more you can do. We did mm -hmm. offer a package to our people, like two dumbbells, two kettlebells, two bands, and a roller, you know, okay. uh, that they could come and they could pick up, you know, and we just want our people to continue to progress. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's something we have done. Yeah. I guess to pick your brain a little bit about that, do you have any yep. good exercises for pulling for your back? That's the hardest I, one. I, seen, I know that's, that's the I know when people one. are home that if you don't have yep. a pull-up bar, or something yeah. to hang from that's tough. Yeah. So first of all, if you were to, if I were to tell someone to buy something, it would mm -hmm. be a, like a one inch super band from perform better G and G or something. Mm -hmm. um, it's like 12 bucks. And there's okay. so much you can do with that. Like that's the number one thing I would purchase. The yeah. second thing would be like a chin up bar that you can actually anchor somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you Mike, Mike Moon, our head strength coach just did a post a few days ago on his personal account um, and perform better actually reposted it. But there's also this thing he found. It's like this anchor you can put on a door, like okay. a door knob and then close the door and then yeah. you can anchor things to that. Um, so those uh, are some, those are some certain things. If you have it like a TRX is a little more expensive, but those are ways that you can row. But let's say you have nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, some things that we've done, uh, load a backpack for like one arm rows, um, okay. a heavy jug, a cinder block, something like that. Um, other things we've done is Mike Moon had this in uh, the program we did today is like taking a long towel and wrapping it around like a support beam mm -hmm. where you're basically one arm you're pulling and the other arm you're resisting that pull. Okay. And then you're coming the other way. You know what I mean? So one yeah. arm is eccentrically extending. So you're creating the the resistance on that arm that's rowing. Mm -hmm. um, that would be another good one. He's done some like overcoming isometric holds with a towel. So basically yeah. like, like in a bent over row or like an RDL position with the towel underneath your feet and okay. roll and row to 90 degrees and just as hard as you can overcome that unmovable mm -hmm. object. So those have been some really creative ways, even like prone, like on your stomach arm slides. So like, okay. let's say you have like two textbooks and you know, you're on your stomach and your chest is up off the ground and keeping the books off the ground, just extending out and back, yep. you know, um, those are things that I can give Mike Moon all the credit for, but rowing, pulling is mm -hmm. so hard to do without external load but yep. as if not more important than any pushing and we tell yep. all of our people like every pushing exercise or pressing exercise you do you better be doing two rows or pulls um from a shoulder health standpoint and mm -hmm. like people get in this type of situation they just bang out endless push-ups and i'm sure yep. you've seen a bunch Bench. of ugly, ugly ones oh, yeah. online right but yep. um so that's that's those are just a few ideas for the pulling piece that we've yep. been able to come up with I think at the very least, this will teach people the value of eccentrics and isometrics too. Yes. Most people just think about the concentric. Yep. But yeah, those isometric holds, they're killer or lower. You can have a very light weight, but just go slow, real yep. slow, and it'll crush you. Absolutely. For sure. I saw, I don't know if you follow Ben Bruno at all. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, he, I don't know if he came up with this or not, but I saw he was, using a broomstick or yep. any kind of dowel, put, yep. putting that in between chairs, laying under it and doing rows or pulls yep. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't snap the broomstick. Yeah. Or another like one, that. another one Mike actually has now that you say that is like a table row. So like you're under okay. the table, making sure that it's obviously sturdy so it doesn't fall down on you. Yeah. Uh, so, 
but <laughs> under the table with your hands on the side of it. So if okay. it's not a very long table and you're just rowing yourself up like that, so your hands are neutral. Yep. So you're, you're basically your body's under the table, your head's out, you know, of the end and pulling yeah. yourself that way, but yeah, kind of cool. like, an, like, kind of like an inverted row. Yeah. Uh, so one other thing about the quarantine, as far as homeschool goes, I know there's every parent now is basically a homeschool teacher. Yeah. So do you have, have any tips for parents as far yeah. as working with your kids? Um, my wife is really good at this and I, I'm not as good. So she's kind of directing me, but you know, we both have some responsibilities obviously still with our schools. So mm-hmm. we're kind of taking turns as far as like, this is going to be my time. I'm, I'm working with Victor and she's doing her thing. Um, but really just adding as much structure to the day as possible. So, you know, we're letting them sleep in to this point. They're going to have a little, um, TV and breakfast time at the beginning of the day, which usually we wouldn't do, but this is not a normal time. And I'll mm-hmm. say nine o'clock, we're going to start structure. So okay. start with some journaling, you know, what'd you do the day before? And for us too, like, that's going to be a pretty cool thing to keep and look, oh, yeah. at, and look back on. We're yep. also doing a video journal at the end of every day to close out the day. And like, oh, that's, that's cool going to be pretty cool things to look back on, you know, um, mm-hmm. get them going that way. Then my wife traditionally has like an hour of something structured. Uh, their teachers have done a great job with sending things home. My older daughter's on Google Classroom. So that's more of like a structured time. I take the, the block. I'm more of a creative guy when it comes to like, so we'll do like either a, a music or an art thing. Um, we'll have lunch and then there'll be another academic block. And then I'll take phys ed and we've been doing everything from playing catch in the backyard, jumping on the trampoline. Like we've moved Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff over to our gym from our gym to our garage. So like doing some ladders or like, you know what I mean? Crawling, just having fun, going on a hike and then, you know, pretty much close out the day and it's really what it's looked like. So it's, it's definitely not as intensive as if they were in school, but having a Mm -hmm. couple of structured blocks where they are focusing on academics and, you know, it's structured with times and things like that. Um, that's kind of what we've been doing. It was tough at first and my daughters are 10 and 10 and seven, almost eight. So fourth okay. and second grade. So, you know, they're not used to their parents being their teachers. So we got a lot of, I don't want to, or no's at first. And we kind of nipped that in the bud pretty early, had some accountability yeah. pieces in place, but you know, again, definitely different. Uh, we yeah. will hopefully look back on this as a positive and that's really our goal every day is how can we make this a positive, uh, memory? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really, I mean, I know it's, things are different as PE teachers, but I'm hoping that parents and teachers see the value in giving their kids more breaks throughout mm-hmm. the day. Right. Cause at home we wouldn't want our kids to sit down and do math with them for an hour or two that they, they just right. couldn't take it. Exactly. But, I've seen a lot of parents and heard a lot of parents talk about how they'll work on something for a few minutes, take a break, run around in the backyard and then yep. come back in and work on something else. For sure. Um, but yeah. All right. So before we sign off here, uh, we talked a little bit about the book essentialism. That's one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but have there been any books you've read throughout your career that have had a huge impact on you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I love when people ask that. Um, Two completely non-related books that have made major impacts uh, on me as a person. The first one is Lead for God's Sake. I don't know if you've okay. ever heard about that one. It's a it's a parable. No. Um, I actually haven't looked at it in a while. I forgot who, who wrote it. But it's about a, a janitor, um, basically, that made some life-changing impacts to people around him at a school that he worked at. And okay. some really good life lessons that I have taken away from and I, I apply to my daily, my daily life. Um, the other one was shoe dog. It was the Phil Knight story, yep. um, just his memoir. And it was not only like insanely entertaining, but for me, a lot of really good lessons about, um, getting through tough times. And if you've ever read it, you know, it was definitely not a straight line of success for Nike and his story. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to see some of the things he had to overcome to get where he is today. Um, and then from there, like from a more of a content based thing, anything, anything boiled to be honest. And like Mm -hmm. Mike's, we talked to Mike, uh, here and there and he's the man and he does a lot of good things and we're definitely not a hundred percent doing exactly what they do. But, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back, you know, some of his early functional strength training for sports books or his strength coach, like he's done like the four and five and 6.0 DVD series. And Mm -hmm. I just remember being a younger strength coach without, a ton of experience. Cause I, again, went to school for phys ed, like 
mm-hmm. taking that and having it completely shift my philosophy and direction for the better and giving me more tools to make my own decisions and own philosophy. So, yeah. And he, and he's a bold guy too, but what I, yeah. what I love about him is that he's not afraid to explain something and say, this is what we got to do. And then a year yeah. later, say, that wasn't right. Exactly. exactly. For sure. I give him credit for that too. Yeah. Uh, so last question. Um, what is something that you are excited about that you want other people to know about? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another big question, but, uh, Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, first of all, just excited to get everybody, um, doing something productive and something that they're going to take away from a positive in this situation, whether it's my Victor students, Mm -hmm. you know, reconnecting with physical activity on a daily basis or our Victor athletes training regularly or or any of our next level people like taking advantage of this opportunity to have more time for your self-development. Um, mm-hmm. so really for that, it's everything we're doing remotely now. So our, all of our remote online training we're doing here at next level, although we're focusing mainly on our current people, we are offering programs to schools and, um, organizations if they do want to offer something structured to their people, because so many people are just kind of off on their own right now. So that's, I mm-hmm. guess the biggest thing we're doing currently. Um, but in the future from here, uh, we're excited to get back in the gym, you know, and excited yeah. to get back yeah, to training, training people hands on and getting excited back to school and with my Victor athletes. Um, but from a, I guess, a project standpoint, something we've been working on and having some extra now time now to be creative, uh, Joe Atari and I are coming up with um, a high school strength coach course. And oh, how, it's okay. gonna, how it's going to work is we're going to have um, people come to our, our, our facility from really anywhere. And it's going to be, uh, I don't think we're going to call it a certification, but it's going to be more of a, there'll be a cognitive piece to it, but there's going to be a lot of hands-on as well. And really the goal is going to be to allow people in schools that have passion about fitness, strength, conditioning, and have the desire to drive that bus for their district, give them the tools to offer a quality program based on their situation. Um, again, there's a lot of crap out there. So really just simplifying mm-hmm. things and giving people lessons we've learned from our mistakes, but um, mainly systems, right? So in all the high schools we work with, there's a lot of specific systems. Um, so providing that for people that they can take back to their their schools. So we hope to have that out um, you know, by the end of this school year and, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's cool. It's Definitely exciting. I'm sure you'll get a lot of interest in that. Thanks. Um, so if let's say someone's at home right now or at some point they listen to this and we're still under quarantine, <laughs> but they, they like what they hear and they want to join your virtual gym, I guess. Where can they yeah. find you guys? How can they get involved? Um, you know, social media or our website or they can contact me directly, but our uh, Instagram is next level Rochester. And that's, I guess, one, one place to go. Our website's train at next level.com. Um, our email is info at train at next level.com. So those would be the three places uh, okay. people can reach out to us. So I appreciate that opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for talking with us today, Brian, you're the man, buddy. Thank you for having yeah, me. It's an honor. And, uh, it's, I'm excited to see this stuff get out because it's important yeah. for people. So hats off to you.